Hello, everyone, and it's time for a new edition of the Baseball Talk Radio Show with the great Gary Mack and Rich Baxter talking all about your favorite game of baseball. Today, we have uh, some big news in the stories to tell you. Uh, New York scraps the vaccination plan for pro baseball players. Opening day is just a few days away, and oh my gosh, something's crept back into the game, all on this edition. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Baseball Talk Radio Show. It's Rich Baxter, and I'm joined each week with my good friend and baseball maven, Mr. Gary Mack. How are you, Gary? (laughs) I'm good, Rich. Uh, Thanks so much for the intro, and how are you doing, my friend? Doing good. Watching more baseball every time I get a chance to. The spring training's well underway. Uh, Just a great time to to see baseball back on the diamond. Tons of news coming out of the uh, media. It's amazing how much that drives the game. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and you know, in the... A lot of instances, it's driving everything in this world now, the media, it seems. But um, good news and bad news, Rich, from the baseball world this week. You know, uh, we have the the tentative agreement and, the, and that. And uh, both sides, the league and the, the Players Association, have reached an agreement to expand the rosters to 28 players through May the 1st. First, um, that's kind of to protect the uh, pitchers in this short spring training. I think it's a pretty good idea. Yeah, they they need to do something because they they acknowledge that it was very short for the time for them to get ready. So yeah, it's um, well needed, and we have the April seventh opening day Thursday scheduled. Uh, nine games scheduled for that day, and then. Uh, on Friday, April 8th, we have 11 games. So we're closing in on that very fast here. It's the 27th already. Only a couple more weeks to the start of the baseball season, and baseball is back. And, you know, it'll be uh, here in a blink of the eye. I got to watch some of the Mets game yesterday, and today they're uh, they're on TV again, thank goodness, they, and Today we're going to have quite a special game. It's going to be uh, DeGrom and Scherzer both pitching in this game, so that should be interesting to watch for Met fans. Uh, I watched a little bit of your Phillies the other night. They were in uh, – um, oh, who were they playing? can't remember now. Uh, but they were on MLB, and I caught a little bit of that replay of the game at night. Um so, uh, like you said, Rich, it's nice to have baseball back and catching some of the games from the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League. And, uh, you know, and then the news coming out, as we say, you know, they're going to expand the roster. That's always a good thing. Give somebody an extra uh, chance, an extension. and But unfortunately, Rich, the Ghost Runner is back. Yeah, I thought I thought we had rid ourselves of that uh, the runner at second base for extra innings, and surprisingly, the players are in agreement to to bring that back. So I had heard uh, grumblings about it a couple of weeks ago. You know, it wasn't cemented that that was yeah. taken away completely, and then all of a sudden, yeah, within the last week, 
we're going to have that runner at second. I'm just, it's just not baseball to me. I, I think they want to get to their post game meal, Rich. I think that's what the thing is. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it doesn't make sense. It really gives that first team that's up after the uh, nine innings a tremendous advantage. You know, you got a runner at second. You could practically bunt them to third and score them on a long fly ball. I mean, so yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah no, I agree. That, that would be my uh, way to go about it to to get them home, but yeah, just you know, play it to a tie. Then you know, just if you want to do nine innings and be done, be done. But I I think that's it's kind of stupid on both sides. But it's a rule now that's going to happen, and it's part of baseball. So uh, it's one of those asterisk things. You know, runner was started at second. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's kind of crazy, and it's it's not fair to the pitcher either because he didn't put the guy on second, and, and you know, you bring in a relief pitcher in a tie game, and, and if they score because it run, the guy scored, he'll get the loss. Now, okay, I understand that, that he let the run score, but he didn't put the guy there in the first place, so... You know, you're assuming the guy would have got to second and then somebody else got a hit or, as you say, bunt in a long fly to get him in. But, I, you know, it, it's kind of a crazy rule, but they want to use it this year. I think they're going to try to slip it by us permanently. Um, maybe the players just want to get to that, uh, you know, the, the post-game buffet or something quicker so they don't like the extra innings. But... You know, we'll see how it goes. And and then they also passed the rule, the Shohei Otani rule, Rich. And uh, I, this rule, I don't know. This is, you know, they're, they're changing the whole rules for one guy, essentially. Uh, if a starting pitcher is also hitting in a lineup, this is the Shohei Otani rule. Then that player remains as the DH, even if he's pulled from the start. So, naturally, he's a good hitter. They're going to leave him in there. Uh, and then if they want to take him out of the game, they will. Yes, and I apologize. I lost my video here for a second. I was fooling with some settings for those watching. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't get it started again now. That that figures. That teaches me not to mess with Tara. There you go. He's back. <laughs> yeah, but let's, uh, for those of us that don't know about the rule, what's the specifics of it? Oh, uh, well, it, if a starting pitcher is also hitting in the lineup, because uh -huh. Otani, when he pitches, he's the hitter. He hits. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know whether they have another DH in there or not, because we don't really follow. I would imagine that they don't. If they take him out, he can still stay in the game as the DH. Okay. So if they decided, I don't know, is Aaron Nola a good hitter? I don't know. If he was in the, if, if he batted in a game one of the nine hitters, 
mm-hmm. and pitching. That's the key and pitching. And then they took him out of the pitching. He could he would still get his at bats in the game as he would become the DH. Oh, okay. So that's pretty interesting there. Uh, yeah, I guess you know that one guy there. The rule for one guy. Uh, that's another question mark about should you have a rule to benefit more one guy basically how many people are going to do this i uh, there's not that many two-way players i mean there's a there's one or two others that i know of in the minors but he's the only one in the majors i mean unless you had a real good hitting pitcher but still what would you know i don't think you would uh Jacob DeGrom's a good hitting pitcher, but are you going to put him in when he pitches or are you going to put in, uh, you know, uh, Robinson Cano or something? I think you're going to go with Cano. You're not, you're not going to go with uh, DeGrom. You know, first off, you don't want to risk injury. If that's the whole point of having the DH to avoid pitching injury, then you're not going to want that, you know. You pitch your hitting, so it's really essentially for one guy unless somebody else comes along that's a two-way player. Now, I know Tampa Bay, I think, had a uh, – I think it was Tampa Bay. Um, they had a guy that I actually saw. I saw him – watched him on the College World Series, and I can't think of his name right now. And then I watched – I saw him in person a couple of times at um, – um, Oh, Hudson Valley, uh, the Hudson Valley Renegades, which was a minor league team a few years ago with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. And I know he made it to the majors, and I can't think of his name offhand. And then he had Tommy John surgery, and uh, he had some other injuries. But he was a two-way player. He was a first baseman and um, uh, and a pitcher. So, uh, and he had a, that was the year he was with Hudson Valley, the year they won a championship and he pitched in one of the playoff games and won that. And I think he had a home run that got him into the playoffs or something. He had, he had a big part to do with that, but anyway, um, but, uh, he's had a bunch of injuries, so. Uh, but he would be the only other guy I could think of. I think there's another guy in the minors that I read about, but I can't recall his name either. But it is essentially right now for one guy, as you said. Yeah. Huh. So I'll have to see if that uh, has an impact on other teams this year. And this past week, um, it was announced that New York rescinded its vaccine mandate for athletes, for pro athletes in the city uh, on Thursday, actually. Um, The mayor, Eric Adams, lifted the COVID-19 vaccine mandate on athletes, paving the way for a basketball star and unvaccinated New York Yankees and Mets to play in their home April home openers. a move that a lot of people didn't see coming because the week before he was very staunch about maintaining this um, vaccine mandate. And now they just flip-flopped on it that fast. Well, I think there was a lot of pressure put on him 
and he caved, and uh, it's a stupid rule to begin with. I mean, I think we discussed this last week that uh, Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets refuses to get the vaccine, which is his choice, and he could not play in a home game. He could go to a game. I think he could sit on the bench, but he couldn't play in a game, which I don't understand. If you can go to a game, and or even if he had to sit in the stands, if you can go to a game, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but he couldn't play because he wasn't vaccinated, and uh, this was the whole thing, and, and it came out that, you know, with baseball starting soon, that there was there's a number of guys on a number of teams that aren't vaccinated, and uh, you know, were they going to be playing at home? And and uh, so, as you said, the mayor said he wasn't going to change it, and then a couple of days later, a week later, he had a change of heart, I guess, or oh, somebody uh, came down on him, and he decided to change it. So now there's, there's a little bit of an uproar about that because now the, the cops that lost their jobs and the firemen and everybody else that lost their job because they wouldn't get vaccinated are saying, and rightfully so, hey, what's going on here? You know, uh, you, you're letting it go. And, and if you notice... The, the uh, change says professional athletes and performers. Yeah. So they're, they're kind of covered that, well, we didn't make this change for the baseball or the basketball or whatever because the playoffs are coming up in basketball. It's performers as well. So they're both covered that way, I guess. Um, it's a stupid rule to begin with. It never should have been in effect. And... They should have changed it a long time ago, so I'm glad they changed it. But, you know, it's all about the dollars. That's what it's all about. Yeah, you wonder if <laughs> there wasn't a phone call made during the week. Ah, you know, would you like a nice donation? We'd like to. Because <laughs> it's, it's a tremendous flip-flop from what what it was. Yeah. And, yeah, it would have, yeah. Been, would have been hard to see a lot of – players sit the bench i think it would be interesting at the same time uh canada still has that rule and they haven't rescinded it or bended it i don't think they'll bend it at all um but it'll be interesting to see you know the yankees go up to uh toronto quite often so does boston yeah. so it's gonna it's gonna tell a tale of uh athletes that aren't vaccinated for sure well, you know, it, it's it's also interesting because you do have uh, the team didn't release who was not vaccinated because there's there's hit the HIPAA rules and all of that kind of stuff, um, and I don't think they're allowed to give that information out to the press. But let's just say that that I'm watching a med game at home and. You know, it's Jacob DeGrom, or, and I don't know if he's vaccinated or not. I'm just using this as an example. Uh, you know, turn to pitch. It's his turn to pitch, and he's not pitching that night. You know? 
And the next time around, and they're home again, and he's not pitching, uh, or or if guy's not playing in the field, you kind of get the feeling that oh, that guy's not vaccinated. Then. So, doesn't that violate the uh, HIPAA laws or the or, you know the medical laws or something? It seems like it would be a violation of something somewhere along the line. So, uh, it, you know, it's a can of worms that they got themselves into with this thing and uh, he's gotten himself out of it and opened up to more criticism but you know it's his party that put it into effect so that's true so we'll have to see about that as well as time goes on and uh, sticking with the New York theme uh, Yankees (laughs) Brian Cashman says ex- an extension offer will be made before opening day to uh, Mr. Judge, who's been uh, a good portion of their offense for the past couple of years. Aaron Judge, they offered him apparently $17 million, and he wants 21 So uh, currently making $10.175 million. A lot of money. How can he get by on that, Jack? Uh, Rich, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's a lot of money. I, You know what? They'll probably settle at 19. Uh, that's what I would do if I was uh, his agent. and I'd, I'd make an offer where I'd say, look, let's just split the difference. You're at 17. We're at 21. Let's meet at 19. It's a $9 million raise. Yeah. Uh, I remember working, of course, it was a long time ago, but, you know, and I, and I got a 40 cents per hour raise, you know, which was... <laughs> <laughs> what? A lot of money. $16 a week raise or something. And I was happy with it. So uh, I'll never forget that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was Remember those days, Rich? A dollar or so <laughs> yeah, in today's now. money. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Judge yeah. Uh, on the Yankees for six years now. This is going to be his seventh season. Projected at 30 home runs, 77 RBIs, one of the Yankees superstars. So uh, we'll have to see if he can uh, make the deal with him. He's already 30 years of age for the 22 playing season. Seems like he just yeah. came up not too long ago. Yeah, and you know, he's not really a big RBI guy, it doesn't seem. I mean, 77 for 30 homes, that's, that's not... I mean, I guess a lot of guys aren't getting on in front of him. Uh, you know, his totals are nice, but they're not overly impressive. I mean, he drove in 114 in 2017. That that was, you know, 52 homers. That's nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the other years, 27 home runs, 67 RBIs, 27... 55 RBIs in the uh, COVID season. He only hit nine homers with 22 RBIs. I think he was hurt that year. Uh, Last year, hit 39 homers and 98 RBIs. Uh, You know. 
He's a nice player. I I don't think he's a Hall of Fame material, and he's a nice player, good player. Yeah. And these years may, you know, put him into that Hall of Fame category if he can keep it up for five, six, seven years to come. And, you know, all of a sudden, all these semi-stars and stars are 30 years old, so they get called up. And they're 24 or 25, and they, they have a chance for maybe two contracts now. And that's that's what yeah. it seems like it's going to. And that, you know, that's why they do it. That's what I, they become free agents. But, you know, you, you take a guy like uh, Michael Conforto, who was with the Mets, and Mets drafted him. Came through their system, uh, played with the team. Now he's a free agent. He hasn't signed yet. And, uh, I, you know, the Mets had offered him a qualifying offer, whatever that was. I think it was $17.5 million this year, something along that line. Turned it down. And uh, who knows what he's going to get now. Um you know, another Scott Boris client. And we've seen this happen with some Scott Boris clients in the past where he, he hauls them and hauls them and hauls them, and then they don't end up playing. Uh, he had a philosophy that he held some of them out until May or June. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, they never made that money back. Uh, I think it was Stephen Drew with the Red Sox. They they offered him at that time the qualifying offer was I think fourteen million or something, and I, I you know he didn't play, and then I, I think he signed he signed for a lot less money, played a half a season because you know then he had to get in shape, and uh, it just wasn't good, you know. Uh, and then I think he signed like a two-year deal, but for a lot less, you know, f- we would love a two-year deal of $10 million, $15 million, whatever, but it wasn't what he could have had. It, it added up to the $14 million he could have got the one year, and then if he had a decent year, he could have signed more. And I see the same thing happening with Conforto now. Conforto, he's holding him out, and... The five, six-year deal isn't happening. I, I wish the Mets would make, you know, go back, put a million bucks on it or something, 18 and a half, 19, and get them, sign them for a year and then try to extend them from there. But it uh, doesn't seem to be any movement that way. Um, I don't know. They said Colorado might be interested. But, you know, that's where sometimes these agents can get a little too big for their britches and it ends up hurting the 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 player and we he all we we hear about the you know the big contracts that they might score but there's a lot of other little guys that that he's or that agents are representing and they might get screwed in the long run yeah that's always a risk uh when you're holding out and teams aren't necessarily biting for you know your services so uh be interesting to see what happens with him yeah it's certainly a marquee batter and a lot of the teams have already uh picked up their their Mm -hmm. batters and things so he's sitting on the side as you said 
a couple others also um, not hired yet for the 22 season, but uh, Bernie Sanders actually uh, crept back into the news this past week. And um, even though the baseball uh, settlement was reached and all, he wants to see MLB's monopoly through the antitrust uh, protections ended. So, um, and this is something that I don't believe the NFL even has uh, an exemption no. from being subject to the law, equally um, allowing baseball owners to man- manipulate their own market, especially in minor leagues, to suppress salaries and increase profits. So he's been making the, the waves for legislation designed to take away the anti-competitive protections baseball has been granted for over a century. So this lockout has spurred Bernie to uh, to spring into action. Not sure if this is going to go too many places, but it uh, could be a big change for baseball if it does. I think it'll be a bad change for baseball. I think it'll probably kill them. Uh, it would give all the power to the union, I would think. And, and you're going to have strikes and minor league baseball players are going to be wanting more money. And, and it's just, you know, he says to make it cheaper for people to go. I don't think that it would make it cheap. I think it's going to make it more expensive because if they're going to have to pay minor leagues more money, where are they going to make the money? At the ticket booth. Um, these guys don't understand. They don't understand basic economics. I, I, I'm amazed at how the uh, certain party in this country just does not understand economics. And they keep telling us it's not going to affect you. It's not. Gonna, of course it's going to affect us. Anytime you raise a, uh, taxes... Anytime you do anything to big businesses, we're going to get big business. They always want to get big business. You know, it's the people that make the business, not the not the owners. Well, but who put their money up? Did you put, I don't see Bernie Sanders putting $2 billion up to buy a baseball team. You know, I... I it just offends me as a, a citizen that that these guys just don't understand the basic tenets of economics. If you raise the prices on the, uh, you cause the manufacturer to pay more, or in this case, the ball teams to pay more. They're not going to lose money because they're going to raise something else, and it's usually. Right. The fans are the ones, and we always end up getting screwed. I guess with the MLB's realignment of the minor leagues, that sort of thing, uh, it certainly seems to be a little anti-competitive. They're taken taken away from certain markets with the smaller baseball teams. Uh, maybe to make it more profitable, maybe to rein in the minor league system as we were talking about last year and the year before that but you know this could have big implications on baseball the future of baseball and uh, let's see what happens with it just one of those things that you have some good 
points for it, good points against it, and somewhere in the middle <laughs> or one way or another, it's going to have to work out. Yeah, the problem is nowadays that there is no middle anymore. You're either yeah. for or against it, and, well, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Or as our president would say, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> well, somebody that doesn't want to leave it at that is a guy that just got out of baseball down in Miami, but now he's uh, making the rounds around Topps uh, baseball card company that was just bought out by fanatics and oh my uh, god they're owning everything fanatic yeah paid a half a billion dollars for uh tops cards and uh they're still doing well there's a, i was just listening to a ball game on before we came on to the air and they're talking about baseball cards but they are out the tops series ones are out and they're going for big money because of wander franco a 21 year old rookie from Tampa Bay. Uh, his card being graded is $200 a piece right now. Jeez. That's what it's running. So um, push the Series 1 boxes up to around $125 if you can find them. So if you go down to Walmart and see a Series 1 tops for 2022, you might want to pick it up at the regular price of $24.95. So... <laughs> The, uh, and how many of, cards do you get for that twenty four ninety five? I believe there's twenty four packs in the box, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Okay. So you got so a good it's a chance. buck a pack in roughly. Just about, yeah. But with this rookie card being chased, it's pushed the yeah price up on the you know gouging market, so to speak, to one twenty five a box. So wow. Uh, but Derek Jeter made the rounds and. Um, met with the tops people in the office this past week and he opened some packs of their 1993 set trying to chase his rookie card and uh, there was an article on mlb.com entitled uh, Derek Jeter opens tops cards and uh, I don't think he found one but it was an interesting video they had to go with this as well with um, him actually opening packs which he enjoyed on the video looking for his rookie card imagine getting into their warehouse I mean you know they still got nine, 1993 packs of cards you know that, yeah. that he could open I mean how much uh, you know what I it, it'd be fascinating to know how much stock they have of old things or yeah. do they keep it you know do they have like 1955 boxes of cards there and or or did they destroy them you know because uh, who knew it was going to be valuable back then it could be a road trip we could uh, plan a road trip if our <laughs> humble viewers would just jump on board to sponsor us, go to anchor.fm forward slash baseball talk radio and find us there. And you can actually um, subscribe to us there by the month. You can get us some uh, funding to go 
do these interesting interviews. That would be an interesting trip to go over to Tops and talk with them. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. I would enjoy that. So, uh, or our Patreon page, you can uh, research that as well and uh, sign up there, sponsor the show, try to get us uh, over to Tops. We'll bring the story to you, folks. <laughs> yeah, certainly. And Rich, uh, uh, I've got a nice story here this week. Uh, Tyler Zombro uh, is a 27-year-old right-hander who reported to the Tampa Bay Rays minor league camp as an active pitcher less than nine months after he underwent emergency brain surgery the night he was struck on the right side of his head by a 104-mile-per-hour line drive. On March 10th of this year, he faced hitters in the batting practice for the first time since that game. And four days later, he pitched a perfect inning in an inter-squad scrimmage. His first action since June the 3rd of a couple of years ago. He reached another significant point yesterday at JetBlue Park when he went in to pitch against the Red Sox and uh, took the ball from manager Kevin Cash and uh, faced two batters, recorded two outs with a wild pitch, mixed in the middle, then gave way to a parade of relievers. But just the fact that he came back nine months after having emergency brain surgery to play in the game. Pretty fantastic story. And interestingly enough, he wears a hat with a special Kevlar insert in it. Uh, it's, it's all Kevlar inside of it. And he has these little inserts. And there's one that comes out that hangs down uh, a little bit for an extra protection. Um, but, uh, I thought it was a great story that this guy made it back and, uh, you know, good luck to him, you know, even if he goes to the minors, I mean, that that's something to come back from. Yeah. Amazing story there. Almost tragic story for him. And he turned it around and was able to come back. You, you see that once or twice or three times in this sport. Every year where these, uh, you know, tragedies with these baseballs happening. But uh, glad to see that worked out for him. And uh, can't wait to see more from him this year. And Gary, before we bring the curtain down, did you have something else on it? I just wanted to say that uh, the hat he was wearing was interesting because it doesn't really look... Like it's, a, you know, it looks like a regular hat. Remember a couple of years ago, I think it was Alex Torres played with the Mets in San Diego and he had that big uh, Wizard of Oz things it looked like. Remember yeah. that big, huge, ugly uh, hat, uh, helmet or whatever you want to call it, special cap that they made for him. This this one is, it looks like a regular cap um, and it has inserts in inside of it and they're sewed in and I think he can remove them probably to clean them or whatever uh, but uh, it really looked like a nice 
advancement in protection for the pitches. And I would expect we may see a lot of pitchers wearing something to this effect. Uh, as we go down the road, if not already, you know, if if it looks like a regular cap, we may not even know that they're wearing it and they don't want to admit it. But, uh, you know, it's it's time they do something because they just the players are getting bigger and stronger and uh, these guys need some kind of protection. That's cool. Yes, they do. For sure. I would want one if I was a pitcher. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, across the MLB this year, they'll be using humidors for the first time. So um, prior to this, only a few clubs have stored their baseball in these uh, humidors, similar to a uh, cigar-type humidor, which is climate-controlled and stores baseballs at average humidity before the games. Uh, they're stored there, so... Uh, down in Arizona and Colorado, of course, they're needed. But this year, it's going to be a level playing field. All 30 parks are going to have humidors installed. And uh, pretty interesting the way they uh, keep care of these baseballs before the game. They rub them up with mud and things like that. And now the humidor coming into uh, accepted use in all 30 parks. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> We're getting so sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. I yes, don't know, Rich. I'm just getting old. <laughs> and, of course, we, we already talked about the mud being brought in. I think it's down around the Delaware River, right? south. Yeah, of I think it's... Philadelphia is where they get that mud from, so... Yeah. Uh, I always think about that uh, when I go to the game. I always think about weird (laughs) things like that. You know, the preparation. Where is that place? (laughs) And how did they discover that? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's amazing. They probably deputized one company to have have that job. Yeah, you know. I think it is one company that makes that mud, and that's all they do. Yeah. So, <laughs> and they don't cool. really make it. I guess they collected it. Probably be the better terminology. Yeah, and uh, believe it or not, I'm scheduled to go to opening day this year. So, um, very happy. Uh, very good. Yeah. With your ticket pass or the, no? Uh, we'll be not the with tickets. the ticket pass. The the pass did not include opening day. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Uh, but you've got tickets for opening day. I got a seat, so that's um, great. But although I prefer to stand most of the time, I probably will sit as well. But uh, yep, I'll be there opening day. One of my favorite no, days of yeah. baseball. It's so celebratory. There's uh, all kinds of celebrations going on outside the stadium, and then you know the optimism of of fans and all. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. Yeah, opening day is terrific. Uh, yeah. I went the number of years, and um, sometimes I missed the uh, celebratory pregame because I was coming, I took, went to work, and then, you know, I took a 
quarter day or something. And by the time you hit traffic, when you got there, it was like the second inning, which oh. really ticked me off. <laughs> yeah, I got to be there. I got to be there a couple yeah. hours early. Yeah, yeah. To soak do. it all you in. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. The last time I went, I went way early uh, because my daughter was involved in uh, um, you know, humanity, uh, the, the house, uh, the people that build the houses. Right, Homes right. For Habitat humanity. for humanity. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Thank you. And uh, they got invited. The, one of the groups she was in got invited to City Field for opening day, and she was actually on the field with them. Nice. Um, so we had to get there real early. She she got two tickets, and she asked me to go, which was nice of her. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we went and. We had a great time. Uh, it was really a lot of fun. And, of course, I spent some of the time by myself because she had to go um, with the uh, the group. So, um, But it was nice. It was uh, We got there a ton early. And um, I just kind of wandered around the outside. And as you say, taking it all in. Uh, it's it's an optimistic time and and it's a, it's a fun day, it really is. So you'll have a, a ball, and uh, who are they playing? The Phillies opening up. Phillies open up against the Oakland A's at home this year, and so they'll they'll be at home April seventh, eighth, this Friday eighth. the eighth. Yep, that's opening day. We'll dress warmly. <laughs> That's Bring the one your... thing I remember about opening day. Yeah. It was... <laughs> if it's this week, it's going to be chilly again. So oh, we go... yeah, yeah. We've been to warm. We've had the 70 tease days. Now we're back into the 50s. I was just making a comment to someone the other day, like, ah, oh, back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> then it'll be 80 before you know it. And how is that ballpark? Is it the... Uh... A cool place, or, or you know, chilly, or is it? Uh... Yeah, it? It depends if the sun's out, you know, and where you're sitting in the stadium. But it can be chilly. I I do remember April yeah. games, you know, bringing that little blanket type of yeah, thing, yeah. and yeah, oh, it yeah. can be absolutely chilly because once if it's fifty degrees and you're sitting in the stadium with the wind on you, it feels yeah, it's a cold. lot colder. Yeah. Yeah. One quick story. Uh, I remember at the old Shea Stadium going to a game, and it was um, my friend and I went. It was May, I want to say 30th or something. So it was pretty well along, you know? Uh-huh. And um, it was it was a, a fairly warm day. I guess it was in the 70s or something. So we just, you know... We knew it gets chilly there, but we just, you know, we grabbed a sweatshirt or something with us and brought it there. We were sitting in the third row of the uh, loge, I think it was. And the first row was in the sun. We were in the shade. And the funny part about it is if you look, it was like two different ballparks. 
Because if you looked at the, the box seats, everybody's in T-shirts and shorts and, and, you know, everybody above in the shade were in parkers. <laughs> yeah. It was just an amazing difference that it was so cold in the shade. And yet, you know, five feet away, they were in t-shirts. Uh, it yeah. was just that was a crazy ballpark for wind and everything else, Shay. Uh, so um, we never we never forgot that, and every time we went, we were prepared from there on in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that kind of a. Uh, even in that season, uh, you don't expect it, but yeah, if you're yeah. in the shade, winds blowing, you get chilly fast. Yeah, yeah. So remember that if you're in the cold climate for opening day, folks. And uh, thanks for listening to us on this edition of the Baseball Talk Radio Show. We'll bring up some stats on the listeners next week on the show as we get closer to opening day. Yeah, we'll only be a handful of days away uh, next week, Gary, from the show. Wow. Yeah, Coming fast, day. Rich. Yes, indeed. Well, you everybody have a great week out there. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week on the Baseball Talk Radio Show.